0: Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Joe. In the middle of the night In the middle of the night I go walking in my sleep Through the mountain from the bounds of faith To a river so deep I must be looking for something, something sacred I lost,
1: but the river is wine. too hard to cross. Hi, I'm Alan Altman, and I'm Dave Juskow, and this is Billy Joel A to Z.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Billy Joel A2Z. Today is another Elan The Song special. Who knew that the song River of Dreams from the album River of Dreams was actually entitled The River of Dreams? In fact, both Elan and I both thought we'd made a huge mistake in the yards when we found that it was actually called The River of Dreams. This is as bad as Street Life Serenade off of the album Street Life Serenade or, got- or the song <laughs> The Piano Man off the album Piano Man. Yeah, the, the Piano Man will return after these messages <laughs> <laughs> from Prince Spaghetti. <laughs> Anywho, uh, the River of Dreams is the eighth song off of Billy's 12th and final album entitled, wait for it, River of Dreams. God, that's annoying. It's like, who's on first? Yes, it is. It's, it's really frustrating. It was the first single released off of the album here in the States on September 1st, 1993. Although it was released in the UK two months earlier. I am assuming the Queen must have demanded a two-month-earlier release. Or something. And you don't say no to the Queen. <laughs> exactly. Not going to have the same kind of pull anymore. Uh, I guess that's when Billy was going through his un-American phase like Charlie Chaplin. Or Madonna when she would talk with a British accent. God, that was a horrible time period in our history. On October 16th, 1993, this hit went all the way to number three. And that's because for real this time, this is no joke, Mariah Carey was hogging the number one spot with Dream Lover for eight weeks in a row. Otherwise, I really do believe this song probably would have gotten a number one,
1: though. That's a great time for the word dream in songs, two of the really? top three. That's right.
0: Well, amazingly, he was actually able to beat out Get Ready. Whoop! there
1: it is. Oh, and that song is so good. That commercial, that Geico commercial that uses it now. It's, <laughs> hey, it's great. You, that's,
0: that's right. And let me tell you something. It's a goddamn miracle because like you're saying, everyone remembers that song to this day. So, needless to say, this song was a smash hit. It was Billy Joel's final top ten hit and his highest charting song of the decade. The song went to number one in Joel Osborne's Australia and New Zealand and Canada and the top ten everywhere else in the world except... Uzbekistan? No, no not Uzbekistan. No, <laughs> that's not a country (laughs) italy where they were probably still upset over scenes from an italian restaurant because it wasn't authentic italian enough let alone of course the inconsistencies over the dates brenda renetti were
1: married as alana's pointed out yeah they are still uh, really upset about it to this day they i think they have a vendetta against mr billy joel i agree It
0: actually ended up being the number 26 songs for the entire year of 1993. (laughs) What was number one? Dream Lover. Oh, you guessed it. Whoop, There it is. No way. Really? It's It's so sad. But it's still popular. Why wouldn't it be? Like you said, it's a really popular guy. Go commercial.
1: (laughs) It's so funny. Team. So
0: funny. How'd they, how'd they get that guy to be in it?
1: How did they get his busy schedule? How did they get the guys <laughs> from tag team? Exactly.
0: Uh, the River of Dreams, the River of Dreams, was nominated for the Grammy Award for Record of the Year in 1994, but lost out to I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, which, of course, I believe was written by Dolly Parton. Mm. So Billy Joel foiled again by a country music singer, River of Dreams. The album was also nominated but lost out to the Bodyguard soundtrack, which both makes sense and is hilarious because he was foiled again by a movie soundtrack like the
1: Innocent Man album and Flashdance. And probably Saturday Night Fever beat him out back in uh, the 70s, right? Uh, No, because for some reason, The Stranger wasn't nominated. Oh, yeah. Remember, it wasn't until 52nd Street. I always forget what our gripe is, whether it was that year or back in 52nd Street. They weren't ready to
0: realize his greatness yet. Uh, It was also nominated for Song of the Year, but lost out to a movie soundtrack in Aladdin. No wonder he got out of the business. Seriously, he's probably really pissed off because Billy was also nominated for Pop Male Vocalist for the song, but lost out to Gilbert Gottfried in Aladdin. (laughs) That would have been so good. I know. No, he lost out to Sting, his pal. Uh, this song also appears on 2,000 Years, the Millennium Concert, with the Land of a Thousand Dances song in the middle for some reason. It's also on 12 Gardens Live. It's on Live at Shea Stadium with A Hard Day's Night in the middle. That sounds like a lot more fun. It's on Greatest Hits Volume Trace and the Good for Nothing My Lives compilation album, which finally provided a never-before-released version of this song, at least. but with lullaby in the middle as we've already gone over. So, of course, for me, that album still sucks. Like our last song, there is a lazy music video that goes with this song as well. Uh, Of course, it's Billy on a boat Mm. duh, on the Connecticut River, at least. So we actually moved off the island slightly for this one. The only highlight to this video is seeing Alexa Ray and Christy Brinkley in a cameo as Christie is painting the album cover and we'll talk about why they didn't spend a little bit more time on that. That's interesting, let alone that she looks gorgeous. So the fact that you only use her in a cameo is another example of how uninspired this gospel like video is on October 23rd, 1993, Billy was the musical guest along with host John Malkovich on Saturday night live and played this song. As of course we all know from the all about soul episode, that I was there for that performance.
1: Right. And you even said, Billy, you should play River of Dreams. <laughs> and then he said, It's the River of Dreams yeah, guy we, in the audience got, who I like, don't know.
0: That was just as bad as I told him to get off, you know, stop yelling while I was on the phone for my gambling issue. <laughs> anyway, Elon, 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 the guys, our ranking buddies, have it at the exact same number. Now, this is a hit. Where do you think the boys have this one? Knowing mostly what Christopher Bonanno's, that's where we try and get our minds together on Chris Pananos What do you think his New York magazine and the Newsday magazine articles have this at out of 121 or 124 songs?
1: I get the feeling that even though this was a big hit, this is going to be one of those songs that they don't put too high in their rankings. Um, so I'm going to just guess something low. I'm going to say 58.
0: No, it's at 24. So you were kind of right, but also just a little too low. No, I
1: was way off, way off.
0: The almost title song of the album. And then he says, why add a the <laughs> <laughs> It's streetlight serenade all over again, has more of that innocent man, lightness and exuberance than most of the stuff his later records and benefits from it. Glenn Gamboa says combining call and response gospel with African tinged rhythms would be impressive enough, but Joel uses it as a jumping off point to outline a biblical quest that doubles as his quest as an artist. The fact that it became the title track off his final studio album suggests that for him, the river of dreams was music.
1: Whatever. Ah, Come on. Out there, man. Uh, The fans rank it at 18. I'm shocked. For me, this is not one of his better songs. I know it was a big hit, but I never quite liked it so much as a standalone song. I don't like the Afro-Caribbean gospel thing that he's doing here. What do you think about that?
0: About that or this song in particular?
1: Well, start with that part, because to me, it seems like he's pandering and just doing this like Paul Simon, Lion Sleeps Tonight kind of thing, which everyone was doing back then, where you do a live show so you can have a gospel choir behind you.
0: Yeah, and Paul Simon had... Very much perfected it uh, with that unbelievable Graceland album, which was also a tribute, I guess, to Elvis and African music, which is, you know, the Elvis part is Billy Joel's dream as well. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, when this first song first came out, I kind of loved it because it was new Billy Joel and it sounds great and it's got a melody and he's just so good at putting all that together. Again, while we were there at the concert, it's a bathroom break song. It's become a bathroom break song. The stuff he pulls, puts in the middle, I guess, if you're in the concert, maybe it's exciting to see what he puts in in the middle. Maybe that's a thing now. Oh, what's he going to play today in the middle? Like we said, one of the albums "A Hard Day's Night, one of them is the Thousand Elephants. Yeah, you know we it saw
1: is. it was Heat Wave and often he'll, now he'll do dancing in the street. But I feel like the reason he plays it so much in concert is because of that, oh, we can always jam with it and put something in the middle. Otherwise... I don't know that he would, you know, make this as popular as it is.
0: Well, that's the other thing. I think we've all come to an agreement, uh, except a, a few people on, the, you know, our DM feed. People don't want to hear the song in concert. It's not necessary, and we'd like. There's so many other songs we'd like to hear, and he seems to play this all the time. Well, I can. I mean, is it weird to just go with the live stats now since we're talking about it?
1: Yeah, you're right. He plays it all the time. Look, it's it's his basically his newest song, basically, and he's played yeah. it 517 times. Oh my god, is this like the number one song? No, it's 14th. But basically, I think since it was released, I don't know that he's missed a concert and and not played it. It's oh, it's at every show. Wow. Usually, it, it's right near the end before we get to the encore. He'll go into it'll be like this and then Nessun Dorma, and then Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, and then Piano Man, and then that's it that's just the
0: way we saw it too
1: yeah so that's like that's always the way it goes before ness and Dorma was a thing it was just go this to scenes to piano
0: wow that's so interesting i mean i don't i don't know what he loves about it i mean uh, i'm trying to think how i feel about the song i i've been singing it all week knowing i guess we were doing it so i think it's always in my mind and it's one of those songs that comes back if if there's silence in the room once
1: in a while i'll be like
0: In the middle of the night.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's fun for that. An out of nowhere burst of in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah. So once in a while, it's in my head, but certainly it's not a a classic Billy Joel song. It's all we had left. And again, the thing about Billy Joel is the first release from a brand new Billy Joel album. And this is one after, what, four years of an absence is going to always do well. Because we miss him, and we or we did miss him, and all all the first songs are just always going to kick ass. Uh, listen, you guys don't like Modern Woman. The only reason that song probably did well was because it was a brand new Billy Joel song off a brand new album. Otherwise, that song probably never gets released. Let alone, I mean, being from a movie, uh, if it wasn't from the movie, it probably never gets released.
1: Yeah, and say I think same thing here. Um, well, no, I mean with this one, I feel like it would have been a hit because. At this time, like this kind of thing was was popular. And, you know, leading up until a couple years later, when the Lion King came out, like all of this African inspired music, well, it was really of the time of like the late 80s what, into the early it? 90s. Yeah, see,
0: But was it of the time? Because like you just said, the late 80s, Graceland album was 10 years before this, in 86 or so. And the Lion King came out. Or did the Lion King come out in the 90s? 94. Oh, all right. So I guess there is something, too. I thought for some reason it was from the 80s. I was just thinking he was like kind of late to the party on this. But I guess people do like this kind of music. And I think the reason he likes it is kind of what Glenn Gamboa said. Like, this this is his his river of dreams, is music. And it must have something to do with that, let alone we know. If this song was the eighth song on the album, and we've been talking about this album for a while, we're almost done with it, I guess. Is that he said that all the every song leads to another. Mm-hmm. So besides famous last words, this is pretty much the the end of his career. And and I, I but this is my guess of why he likes it and plays it so much. That this is this is it. He's never gonna play famous last words. So this is it. This is the end of his career. And you said this is the last song he plays before he gets to scenes from Italian Rutten, besides the other one. Before he gets there, that's why there's a break in between that Nessa, whatever it is, he takes a break and then he plays the two classics that he has to play, which he has no choice in playing. And then it's an encore. So I guess that's the reason it's played so much is because this is it. This sums up
1: his concert,
0: his career to him, not to us.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Like it really is the the album moves to this point it really does progress that's why this song is late on the album it's when you when you listen to it and this is like, like I said I don't love this song as a standalone but when it's within the realm of the album itself it's really beautiful actually the way this song comes in because the first half of the album you have like De- dark depressing songs the guy who's like really struggling and like lost with like the great wall of china and shades of gray right right and then you it's like all about soul and that's kind of like him going through this like purgatory just like it's like the storm that he's like kind of coming through and realizing he has i don't know like love or whatever it is like that's a powerful song powerful vocal then you get lullaby which is sort of like you know the calm after the storm it's really quiet and nice and then all of a sudden like this song fades up like it starts from like really quiet and then you hear like this in the middle of the, you know, it's it gets louder and louder, and he sounds happy in that piece. and at peace, yeah, and so I think that works. Right. That progression is really great.
0: If you're talking about like we just talked about the Great Wall of China, uh, we did No Man's Land. It's all very bitter and angry, and can you blame him? He really got screwed more than he did with Elizabeth Weber. I mean, it really is funny when you think about it. The entirety of Billy Joel A to Z and how we've been talking about Elizabeth Weber screwing him and screwing him literally and figuratively, and then the brother-in-law gives it to him even worse. So it's like, fuck, I cannot get away from the bad side of the music industry. And th- you're right. This album opens that way and then closes with a piece, like just like you're saying, and my guess is that's why this song is too, so important to him.
1: Yeah. And also, let I me mean, look, it's his last, you know, pop relevancy. So in his mind, like this is went to number three. This was a huge hit, even though it was right in his last album. So I know, you could say
0: that. But then why doesn't he do tell her about it?
1: Well, that one, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's weird went about that one. sometimes. But this is like if you're going to play something off the new album, which this still is, this is the new album. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to play uh, the big hit from it because there are still people who are fans of his because of this album. So it said that
0: this that this song came to him in a dream. And I guess this is a guy who's clearly songs come to him in dreams all the time. Unlike the rest of us, this is, you know, this guy makes sense. But he said that this one, he was like, it was stupid. It came to him in a dream, but he couldn't shake it. Like he knew when he got into the shower that day and it was still coming. You know, he finished the shower And then he still had it going on. He was like, well, I I, now I got to do something with this because it it doesn't usually last past the shower. (laughs) So apparently that's how strong this needed to get out of his to finish his career.
1: Yeah. And, And he says that like the phrase River of Dreams is like a play on the phrase stream of consciousness. And this song just came to him like a stream of consciousness.
0: Right. That makes a lot of sense. Christopher Bernanos was saying, I think he was saying that it could have really, since it's gospel, but it's also got a little duop to it, it. Probably could have fit on Innocent Man.
1: Yeah, and actually, that's I think I would have liked the song better if he just got rid of that gospel like call and response thing with the choir and just sang it like an Innocent Man's st- style song. I think that would have been more enjoyable for me. You know, just get rid of like all the gimmicks. This doesn't have to be some like Afro Caribbean thing, and just play it like it's an old duop song from the fifties. Like we know he likes duop. He sings at the end of it that song Gloria, which is an old doo-wop song.
0: Now he's he's. What do you mean he sings at the end of it, Gloria?
1: Right at the end of the song, he's like Gloria. It's really faint on the on the studio version, but on the live versions, he sings that I, more. I,
0: I saw that that he was doing that, but I thought he was. Ta- that's why I was getting confused because I only think of that Laura Branigan song.
1: What's that song?
0: Oh, you don't know that one from the eighties. Because that's why I was getting. Oh, uh,
1: well, that's like the old class. There's another song, Gloria, which is probably. She yeah, but probably I would have preferred that. to hear that Laura Branigan song. It's a classic. Oh, no, I know. Gloria, Gloria. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's a different Gloria. There's a third one that like the doors and groups like yeah, that. But used he to should cover. sing
0: that one. That would be better. See, that would have been more entertaining. Why doesn't he put that in the middle of this song next time we're at the concert?
1: That would be a real twist. Oh, like, yeah.
0: Gloria, <laughs> That's a good song. 1982. It was classic. What if nothing, it, it's a one-hit wonder. It's, it reminds me of, like, What a Feeling. Yeah. Same year. Irene Cara. What a Feeling. So, yeah, that, that's what I thought when they said Gloria. I'm like, well, I've never heard that song before. That's at the end, I don't recognize the uh, version <laughs> that I was thinking of in my head. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think there's also a movie that came out that year with... Uh, Who's that blonde? Cassavetes, John Cassavetes' wife, uh, Gina Cassavetes. Oh, shit. There was a movie that came out called Gloria, too. Gloria was, a, for some reason, a big name in 1982. Jenna Rollins is Gloria. She's tough, but she sides with the little guy. The danger is always getting closer. And getting closer is always the danger. Like Cagney and Bogie and all those great tough guys. Now there is Gloria.
1: You let a woman beat ya? You huh? Your little tiny nothing,
0: General. You punk is Gloria. She's trying to beat the
1: mob at their own game.
0: That's where I thought that music was from. Was from the movie. I'm uh-huh. way off on everything yeah. all the time. <laughs> but let's just talk about the video first. Not just for well, for a second, because that's all it deserves. It's a crappy video. It's definitely a crappy video for you know a guy that's finishing up his career. Yeah,
1: he's but the like, the director had a, a vision. He said, "Look, Billy, what if we have a boat?" And Billy was like, "I'm in."
0: <laughs> yeah, that director was begging for the job, and he's like, "Well, I have some ideas." Um, we just have you hanging around singing. He's like, I don't know. Well, let, let me finish. It's on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah, you probably you probably thought of that last minute. He's like, but wait a minute, you didn't let me finish. Yeah. Because like, I like, was like, ah, I don't I'm sorry. I don't see it. You haven't done enough work. It's really bad. The weird this video, it's directed by Annie, Andy Andy Mohan. Moran. M-O-H-R-A-N. I don't know why I'm pronounce I can't pronounce any of the directors Russell Molkai I think we always say Molkay. I don't know what my problem is anyway he did a mu a million music videos in the 80s but none you really don't know I mean he did all of George Michael's videos and Ozzy Osbourne's that shows you his you know where he range
1: the, good range
0: most of the groups he did their songs you just don't know except what well, he I think he did the George Michael's uh, freedom one which was pretty popular but he also did uh, my favorite Guns and Roses November Rain oh that was great yeah that's my favorite one because it has that part where Slash is looking for the ring which I as you know did for my uh, best friend's <laughs> wedding a classic and gag I'm still angry that I did that bit <laughs> the classic bit I couldn't be more happy that that happened but most of it he didn't do a lot of he wasn't really known for making great music videos except for that one and uh, this one is really lackluster. It's that Billy Joel dancing. It's the same thing we've seen. It's the same thing we saw in The Longest Time, but with black guys in the back instead of white guys.
1: Yeah, he's on like an unfinished bridge with a few like guys in a chorus behind him. And he's doing these stupid hand motions like he loves to do, which don't make any sense. The whole video looks like I feel like I'm watching Huckleberry Finn.
0: It's got the same feeling. That's why I thought it was somewhere in Mississippi. It's in Connecticut.
1: It's supposed to look like Mississippi, right? Because you have like an old Southern Baptist gospel <laughs> yeah, choir. Exactly. That's walking what I around. thought. They yeah, they, me. That doesn't exist in Connecticut.
0: No, but they fooled me. It all takes place in Connecticut. That guy doesn't like to leave a, a 30 mile radius of where he lives. <laughs> it's very clear. Yeah. But I, I still don't understand. They have that one good shot of Christy Brinkley. I mean, really, she is just, that's why you notice it, because she's like, who is that stunning? Until you realize it's, you're just like, Jesus, That's that girl's gorgeous. You know, it, it really is funny. She's so you can't not stop and watch her right she's so pretty but there she is painting the album cover with alexa ray on the on the grass like why why don't they do more just a couple more shots or just a longer shot i mean that's interesting yeah painting and not just they're not just pretending that this supermodel is painting because they've done that and lots of stuff she actually is painting what will become the album cover. It's very impressive. He must have been really done with her at that point. He's like, I don't want to show off her talent.
1: Right, because like, either <laughs> just don't use her at all. That has nothing to do with the video itself. But they have to throw it in for like three seconds, literally. It's so fast.
0: But it's the best part of the video, the truly best part. It's not certainly not
1: his dancing. No, the best part are the totally unnecessary shots of construction workers, Ugh. which he also just loves to stick into more than the double take. It's this might as well have been like the Allentown video.
0: Yeah, but he throws in construction workers that aren't construction workers, they're male models dressed as construction workers, which is very odd.
1: Yeah, he's like, Here, <laughs> uh, put this hat, hard hat on and just look sexy over there. And take
0: off your top. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, then the video ends video with a, there's a baptism, of course, uh, for some reason. I guess that's right. Billy Joel getting baptized as the song is kind of his religious experience. It's not a good video, it's not no. a lot of fun. It, and it's not very entertaining. And it's
0: a bummer that it's not. Because, again, for a final video, we want something better. We right. deserve something more fun. Billy Joel's a fun guy. I know this is not a fun song, but I still feel this could have been a
1: lot more interesting. Is it too much to ask for a Rodney Dangerfield cameo? <laughs> Apparently it was.
0: Was Joe Piscopo too busy? Hey, the river of dreams. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> Hey, Christy's making that album cover. Let me take a look at it. Hey, you're okay. Petrushka. Anyway, did you see the about the Grammy Awards and what happened there and what he
1: did? Yeah, that was a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that Real was a ballsy really cool. move.
0: Yeah, I remember that now that I hadn't, I'd forgotten about it at the Grammy Awards in 1984. Billy was really pissed because they played off as they do. You know, you see on the Oscars all the time, Howard Stern makes fun of it all the time so goddamn rude it's so rude award shows are the worst but when a legend gets up there or you know what you want to see I'm, let's just talk about the oscars for a second you want to see uh, somebody you know if uh, somebody finally even our Leonardo DiCaprio or Julia robertson they finally get an award you know after all these years they've been passed over or Paul Newman or somebody like that and they play them all <laughs> they're like no no this is what you spend time with You play off the costume director, the lighting bird, you know, you got it all backwards. And they played off that year. Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra (laughs) in 94. And Billy's like, are you fucking kidding? You did not just play off Frank Sinatra. So during the uh, as is playing River Dreams with that part we were just talking about where it stops and you could do anything you want. You can play another song. You can pause for as long as you like he pauses. And then he just starts go. He counts off millions of advertising He's looking at his watch. Millions of advertising dollars wasted. Millions of advertising dollars wasted. And it was really, really funny. And the audience loved it. That's sure of the land.
1: Valuable advertising time going by. <laughs> Valuable advertising time going by dollars, dollars, dollars In the middle of the night i in my the Yeah, and you know in like the in the production booth they were like, should we cut the commercial? Is he done?
0: What, what's going yeah, exactly. on here? Exactly. He's like, he's bait, he's like, come on, cut Go ahead. Turn me off, jerk offs.
1: Yeah. And he knew he's done with the music industry. So what does he care anymore? It's yeah, like he his last era. Right. And he'd been through that. He was like, screw the music industry. So that was great. That
0: was a great. See, that's a great way to make a statement and be cool doing it. You're really not hurting anybody. What did he take up? Another five seconds of air. Maybe, you know, maybe 10 seconds.
1: Yeah, it wasn't that long. It seems long. Like when you're in the moment, you're like, oh, my God, this is lasting forever. He's not doing anything. But like, really, it was a few seconds. Yeah.
0: And and it's it's a classy way to make a statement. And that's Billy Joel.
1: That's pretty cool. It's much better than the piano turning over in Russia. <laughs> that would have been great if he did that at the Grammys and just like started smashing equipment. That would have been awful
0: because then he would have just been like, oh, God, he's doing it again. So this was better. <laughs> so much better. Also, did you see the SNL sound check? Did you
1: get to see any of that? They I didn't watch the sound check video.
0: It was really interesting. Crystal just completely takes charge at one. He just kind of lets her go. It's really funny. She just um and, and he looks miserable. He's got he's got a, a can of soda that he's drinking, and he's just practicing, and he looks miserable until he finishes the song. And I wasn't there for this one, for the dress rehearsal, because I'll tell you about that another time, during that rehearsal, because it wasn't during dre- an actual dress rehearsal, you know, it was during an afternoon rehearsal, I guess people come and they see their favorite, you know, people who are there, pages, whatever, they were up on top, and they started clapping after he was finished, and then all of a sudden, he lightens up. And and it's uh, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because it's a true, I don't think metaphor is the right word, but it is a true now we know why he's at MSG every month. Why he wanted to get out of the music business, but he does it because look what made him happy. Four people clapping after the river of dreams, and he changed his whole tune. If you watch this, it's available on YouTube. The SNL sound check. And you watch his he's not happy. Uh he's just going through the motions, going through the motions. And after four people clap, you, you see his attitude completely change. It's rather fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like when you're um I don't know, like when you're, you're, you're a comic, you're on stage and you're on and you're friendly, whatever it is. And then you get off stage. Maybe your whole demeanor is just like, OK, now you're just alone by yourself. But then he notices people are watching him again and you got to be on again. Yeah. And so part of it is that he enjoys people watching him and the, and the audience. But part of it's also like, oh, people are seeing this. Let me be more. Uh, let me be Billy Joel, the entertainer.
0: I got a question for you. And maybe you have the answer. Maybe one of our listeners does. It looked like Liberty DeVito on the drums. But that's impossible, right?
1: Why? Liberty on the, was... SNL,
0: on the SNL soundcheck.
1: I thought that was Liberty.
0: Yeah, but I thought he was banished from this album.
1: No, I don't think that's true. Well, that's what I'm asking. You, I, thought, right? I thought I thought I... Liberty was the last one left out of the no, whole. Liberty crew.
0: did not play on the River of Dreams album. I thought. I thought he was asked to leave after Stormfront.
1: Let me look at the uh, personnel here. Well, what happened
0: was we know for a fact on the River of Dreams, he used session musicians, not his touring band. Yeah. But maybe he
1: was still using them for touring. Liberty played on the album only on Shades of Grey.
0: Right. But, but, and only because that's when they switched. That's the Shelter Island. That's the only one they kept from the Shelter Island recordings. Then he got rid of everybody, used session musicians. We know that part. Yeah. But the question was, I guess he didn't get rid of them as touring bands. So the fact that Liberty was still so angry is still kind of weird. If that's if it indeed was Liberty and certainly looked like him, I, I thought he got rid of them all the way Liberty was, you know, yelling and complaining. I, I thought they got rid of them forever. And they, you know, even though they got rid of him for the album, he clearly toured with them for another two years.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I think it is. I think they were still touring with him.
0: All right. That makes me feel better because I wasn't sure what the hell was happening because it definitely looked like Liberty.
1: That's what I thought, too. Now, in that live SNL recording, one thing that's interesting is that, you know, there's a lot of high notes in this song. Billy wasn't even attempting them in a high register, except maybe at the end when he's just vocalizing. But for the actual lyrics, he seemed to just be going like middle of his range.
0: Oh, so I didn't ma- notice.
1: So maybe he was having a kind of a bad vocal day. And that's why he was a little uh, grumpy looking during the, uh, the rehearsal.
0: It makes sense. Remember, he wasn't in any sketches or anything with Stormfront. He was in some sketches and stuff, but... Uh... Yeah, this is. Well, uh, he's
1: probably like mid-divorce at this point and probably was going through a lot of crap. Yeah, but still, you're on Saturday Night Live. It's goddamn exciting. Yeah, it is. He's
0: like, oh, I'm on Saturday Night Live again. I, again. Maybe it was one of those things where he's just like, oh, I've been doing
1: this since the 70s. Really don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. What, what did I miss now? My 38th high school reunion? Who but cares? That's when,
0: but that's when Saturday Night Live was good again. Like, it was a good cast. Like, unlike that Stormfront one, which was not a great cast and everything. This was I mean, it was getting there, but this was like a good cast and everything. It was uh, they were doing well again. I'm surprised he uh, that they didn't ask him to be in a sketch or something since, you know, he seemed to like to do it last time. Yeah, but that's why I guess what I thought was going to happen,
1: which is why I attended. <laughs> and because it was your good friend Sarah Silverman's first and to tell
0: David tell they were both on the show at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a no brainer to go when Billy Joel was the musical host.
1: You know what I like about the live version of the song? And he does it on the SNL one. And then every other live version you see is in that line where he says, uh, searching for something. Yeah. When he sings it live, he says, "soichin." He does. Yeah. And then even the backing singers, like also kind of say "soichin." Like their, their job is to just copy what he says. So when he uses his weird, like Long Island accent, they got to do it too.
0: Oh, that's funny. I know. I never noticed that before also i i noticed there's four versions of this song that are released and i don't know why or where i guess there's a a single version and an album version then there's a version called the percapella mix have you heard that one nope There's like a dance version or something I don't know. <laughs> like the one that's um, like all about soul, the extended mix. I, don't, I didn't know they were doing that back then. And I guess they were doing that for all albums in the 90s. If you're doing it to Billy Joel, then you're clearly doing it for everyone.
1: Yeah. So like some house DJs can have like a cool version to play it. Those like raves in the mid 90s. Yeah. Here's some Billy so. Joel for you guys.
0: Yeah. Here's some Billy Joel river of dreams to dance
1: to. <laughs> and the crowd's like, <laughs> yeah, win! Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah, I got one. All right, you ready for this? I am. All right. Billy Joel and Dave Juskow. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's one of those.
0: Apparently, they have a lot more in common than their enjoyment of meatball subs. (laughs) Hey-oh! The River of Dreams director Andy Moran directed one movie, a third sequel. To two that were previously done by the director of Get Ready, Town, A Matter of Trust, Pressure, and She's Right on Time, let alone the first music video ever. The original movie is a Dave Juskow favorite that haunts him every day since several years ago, a building was constructed on Roosevelt Island that now obstructs his view of the location where the legendary final fight scene that took place on the rooftop of the Silver Cup Studios building happened in the original movie. Where there can only be one. What is this movie franchise, Alan Altman?
1: That movie is Highlander. Yes!
0: This guy who directed this video directed Highlander 3, the Sorcerer.
1: Highlander <laughs> 3, the quest for Curly's gold. <laughs>
0: Oh, so, yeah, Russell Mulcahy directed the original Highlander and Highlander 2, The Quickening. And as you know, directed Allentown, Pressure. Uh, she's right on time. Go figure. Look at the uh, the interesting combo of Billy Joel directors and the movie Highlander for some God knows reason.
1: That is a weird connection.
0: Isn't it? Oh, God. I used to love the fact that I could see from my bedroom. I'm talking about with my pillow my head on my pillow at night i could see the silver cup studio sign through my window i loved it because you know that final fight takes place there and then they built this stupid building on roosevelt island and it's all gone makes me sad every day
1: even you can see into those people's windows instead
0: actually i can now all i see is this coffee shop they made in the building it's it's neon lights are on all night long it's really (laughs) frustrating actually (laughs) And I'm dying to go. there. I've never gone there. I'm like, I got to go to that coffee shop and see what it's all about. And then look out at your apartment from there. Exactly. Be like, yeah, you know, can you guys turn off these lights at night? It's driving me crazy. Like Kenny Rogers roasters. The what? Like
1: Kenny Rogers roasters. Kenny Rogers
0: roasters. Exactly. It's the same thing. Like the red planet in there. I'm hooked on that coffee. Alana, I'm hooked on it. (laughs) The Roosevelt Island coffee. I got to take the tram there every morning. (laughs) That'd be kind of nice, though. (laughs) <laughs> that'd be a nice way you know what yeah. i should do that on the weekends just take the tram there to get coffee every morning that'd be pleasant
1: i like when um, when newman when he's gets gets caught for having broccoli right and jerry's like try it try that broccoli or, or kramer and then uh he takes a bite and he goes vile weed no 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 newman's it's newman yeah but like, i think it. kramer is who tells him to eat that no
0: no no seinfeld no. tells him to eat it at jerry tells him. he goes
1: you wouldn't eat
0: broccoli <laughs> if it was dipped in chocolate And and then he demands um, honey mustard immediately, a shot of honey mustard.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Vile weed. Number 67, family feast. Number 67.
0: Right here. Right here. Hello, Newman. Hello, Jerry. And don't forget your steamed broccoli. Hold it. Broccoli? Newman, you wouldn't eat broccoli if it was deep fried in chocolate sauce. (laughs) I love broccoli. Broccoli, it's good for you. Really? Then maybe you'd like to have a piece. Gladly. <laughs> Vile weed! It's a Kramer, isn't it? I knew it. The greasy doorknob, the constant licking of the fingers. He's on the chicken, isn't he? Yes! Yes! Now, please!
1: Someone! Honey mustard!
0: Alan, that was a fun trivia question do you have one that is equally as entertaining as uh, that mine was for myself
1: i don't but i have two that are both not entertaining oh oh well
0: i wrote one and
1: i said this one isn't so good and then i found one that was a little bit better so they're just like the music video nice yeah a little bit it's a little bit of a mishmash of two different things my first one is about the song the lion sleeps tonight which is very similar to this song and how it feels okay the lion sleeps tonight was a big duop hit for the group the tokens who's uh, who one of their original members was this singer songwriter later known for hits like calendar girl and breaking up is hard to do. Oh, uh, Neil Sadaka. Yeah. Who
0: he wrote moving out as, isn't that the one that moving out was written?
1: Was that a Sadaka song or a um, Barry Manilow song? No, no, it was Neil Sadaka. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should have used that as the hint. That would have been better. Oh, yeah. So uh, Neil
0: Sadaka comes up again. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, so
1: he was in that group, but he left the group before they did The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Oh, dude, what an idiot. Who would say what an well, idiot? Well, it was it much better for his out, career, yeah, by guess, far. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but the, the group was formed by just him and his classmates from Lincoln High in Brooklyn. Oh. Trivia question number two is yeah. about the 1994 Grammy Awards. So maybe you would know this one. At the 1994 Grammys, this actress won for best spoken word album for children, which made her the fifth person ever to win the EGOT, which is the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar and Tony. Who is this actress?
0: Well, I was going to say Dolly Parton, but that's not right because I don't think she won a Tony. Is it Bette Midler? No. 94. Can't be Madonna.
1: So it's not a singer because this is her only Grammy and she won for Best Spoken Word Album for Children. Meryl Streep. No. I'll give you a hint. Yeah. This actress was very famous for a movie she did. And right around this time, maybe a year or two earlier, there was a very popular song with the same title as this movie. Nah, could, it's you. got a meal in the title. A meal. George Costanza has a book club where he's supposed to read this book that becomes a movie. Oh, it's Audrey Hepburn. Yes, that is correct. We are alluding to oh, breakfast Oh, a meal at in
0: the title. I see breakfast. Yeah. Okay, I thought you meant the word meal, so I got confused. Then uh, I thought no. you meant a meal. I thought you were talking about George Clooney's wife, so I was getting all <laughs> confused. Of uh, yes. Audrey Hepburn. Yes, that makes sense. A Tony, what she win an Emmy for? Well, it doesn't matter, but we know she won an Oscar, and then she won a Grammy definitely won a Tony
1: and it was actually posthumous she had already died when she won this uh Grammy Award for Audrey Hepburn's Enchanted Tales yeah which you know she tells uh some of the stories it's like classics like uh Sleeping the Sleeping Princess Tom Thumb Beauty and the Beast what's missing of course is Wink and Blink and a nod oh son of a bitch how could she leave that out
0: yeah agreed agreed on that one our favorite our favorite tale
1: it came blinking at night one night <laughs> when I was sailing across the sea. Wait, it should have been... When sailing on the river of dreams. <laughs> they were searching for something taken out of their soul.
0: start doing that in
1: your...
0: <laughs> you still got it. <laughs> well... I have no idea how you parody this song. I mean, I know how you would, but it's not going to be easy, I don't think. What do you have for us today, Weird
1: Alon? All right. So today's song is called The River of Pee. (laughs) Oh, God, I was hoping.
0: (laughs) Please tell me that's not the case. (laughs) That's what it's called. Well, it's very much like Sarah Silverman's play, The Bedwetter.
1: Oh, very much so. It's about bedwetting. Oh, well, yeah. I I, was inspired by her for this.
0: The great Adam Schlesinger wrote uh, The Bedwetter, which is the best song in the show. And I believe they
1: actually use a river of pee. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Well, maybe this, I haven't seen the play. Maybe this song is in the play. Let's see. What do you got? In the middle of night, I was peeing in my sleep. Made the mattress soaked. The wet spot was so deep. I started searching for something, something to cover the stain. So I laid down my sweater and now it smells like the train in the middle of the night. The kids at school know I'm wet in my bed so I don't get invited to their house anymore. If I can't control it, my mother said I'll have to sleep in the kiddie pool she put on the floor. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. That's all I got. Oh. I hate when you
0: end on that. I don't know (laughs) how how to end
1: end it. it. I know you
0: wanted to get that other part in, but that is a great part to parody. I like that. But that's a stupid part of the song, even though I like it because it just goes from high to low and it's just stupid. I
1: feel like that's, uh,
0: I don't know. There's something weird about it. I like it and I hate it at the same time, but I like what you did.
1: Yeah, I like that song because it's that part of the song, actually, because it kind of brings you back. The song keeps going full circle, which is what makes it catchy. There's like this weird bridge and then you get right back to in the middle of the night. Yeah. Well, folks, that was the River of Dreams. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single one. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you remember watching Billy do this song on SNL? Well, yeah, I was there. I just... Oh, you're asking other people. Everyone else, Dave. Sorry, I can't help it. I'm bragging. Are you mad that Billy didn't sing the Laura Branigan song Gloria at the end of this? Well, I guess it's coming to me again. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> do you feel bad for Dave that his view is obstructed I hope you do <laughs> and if there was a sequel to Breakfast at Tiffany's should it be called Lunch at Tiffany's and should it have starred Katherine Hepburn now that's a show that's a good idea get her well, who's her agent get her on the phone until next time I'm Alan Altman I'm Dave Juskal and this is Billy Joel A to Z when
0: well, I'm home